She Loves Herself with Jill Ritchie, showing you how to embrace vulnerability and unearth your power within. Hi, we're back. Season two. We've got a second season. Can you believe it? She Loves Herself, the podcast is back, which means we have amazing guests on a Friday and the ever popular Monday Love Punches are back. The first one starts on Monday and I cannot wait to bring you those 10 minute love punches on a Monday. So we are kicking off season two with an amazing guest, Lisa Snowden. I was so delighted when Lisa agreed to come on the She Loves Herself podcast. And I never really prepare for these things because I like the conversations to be organic. I like them to flow. Um, But I must admit, I was a little bit nervous interviewing Lisa. I'm like, should I prepare? Should I not? And I thought, you know what? Do what you always do. Keep it real. Keep it organic. And trust that the conversation will flow the way it's supposed to flow. And that conversation was no exception. What an amazing guest Lisa was. We initially opened it up talking about her modelling and then we went into talking about her situation with bullying from a really young age. Um, We talked about codependency, narcissistic behaviour and domestic abuse. And Lisa shares openly and vulnerably on the podcast for the very first time about the domestic abuse um, that she suffered for many years. And this episode is absolutely um, incredible. I'm really honouring Lisa and what she shared. And I truly believe that this episode will help so many people that have experienced what Lisa went through or perhaps are experiencing it right now in their lives. She is inspiring and inspirational and I really, really honour her and her journey and her bravery to share it on this podcast for the very first time too. So I hope that you guys get as much, if not more, out of this episode than even I did So enjoy this episode and let's spread this episode. Let's share the love and the intention behind this episode, which is to help and inspire so many other people going through what Lisa went through. Let's dive in. She Loves Herself with Jill Ritchie. So welcome to the She Loves Herself podcast, Lisa Snowden. Thank you, Jill. Happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah, we're recording this on my birthday and I'm so happy I'm getting to share my birthday with you, Lisa, my morning. Lovely for me too. I'm sorry I haven't brought you anything. I feel really bad. I should have like a balloon or something. (laughs) Don't worry, it's fine. It's fine. You're here and that's amazing. And I'm I'm so pleased that you've said yes to coming on the podcast. And when I shared with a few people you were coming on, they were so excited um, so I've followed you for quite a while, Lisa. I've actually followed bits and pieces of your journey. I feel like, you know, you probably hear this a lot. I feel like people think they know you because they see bits of you either on TV, on social media. I mean, I watched you when you were on Strictly. Um, I've heard you on radio. I watched you on Britain's Next Top Model. I remember watching that. So I followed you 
for quite a number of years now. I'm definitely not stalking you. <laughs> I've been around. I've been around, Jill. There's lots. You of, have lots, been around, yeah. right? Been so around the block, honey. Lot. Yeah, there's lots, right? So. I wanted to talk to you just about your journey and where you're at right now and what's really important to you. And I guess speaking your truth and showing up as your most truest, authentic self, where you're at right now. So just going back to when you started your modelling career, how old were you then? Well, I first got spotted when I was 15 to be a model. And I did a photo shoot and that didn't go very well. I ended up being like naked under a sheet at 15, Mm. feeling quite vulnerable. And I just thought this is a bit of a strange world. I've still got the pictures. There was nothing dodgy or sinister. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, Mm. the photographer was fine, but I just thought I just didn't have a good feeling about it. So then I kind of stepped away from it. And then I got scouted again when I was about 18 or 19. Um, And that's when I felt that that was the right age to kind of Mm. kind of dip my toe in. But I did, even when I got scouted, I still went away for a couple of weeks and just really thought long and hard about it. Thought, you know, is this, is this what I want to do? Can I do it? Yeah, really they want they want you know I didn't really have that belief in myself that that was the career for me um as glamorous and as amazing as it sounded but I did take a little bit of time to think about it before I said yes and went to the agency and had a, a conversation with them yeah so what did you want to do before then so when you were growing up what was the kind of dream for you so I wanted to I was dancing a lot I was singing and dancing and kind of doing all of that sort of stuff so I wanted to be I went to see Cats the musical when when I was 11 with my nana and granddad and I was in I was just like jaw-dropping moment just Mm. literally just like oh my god this is what I want to do and I could just I just loved everything about it I loved the makeup I loved the costumes I loved the feeling I just loved it so I thought that's what I want to do I want to do something like that I want to be on stage Mm. um so I continued and then I sort of continued dancing and doing and I and I ended up going to performing arts school I ended up going to Italia Conti which is a Mm. stage school performing arts school yeah um so I went there initially because my dancing teacher um, said to me, when you leave school, when you're 16, you, you know, maybe that's the route you should take. You should go to like dancing school, performing arts school. And I was like, OK. So she kind of hatched a plan where um, I should go at 14 and do the audition. Um, and so I was prepared for when I was six, when I got to 16, I'd already done the audition. I knew what to expect and I wouldn't be as nervous because I did always struggle so much with nerves because when I was dancing I also did a few competitions at the weekend so that was you know something that I was always just so terrified like literally almost sick before any kind of performance or competition or exam or anything so she said let's 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 go up to London let's prepare let's do you have to do like three different dances you have to do a um a drama piece, a poem, uh, you have to do all this stuff. It was like flash dance. So you know that film, flash <laughs> dance, and they're sitting there along that desk and they're all like drumming their hands, like looking at you like, anyway, I did the audition and, um, and they accepted me on the day. And I was like, no, 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 no. So the headmaster called my mum and dad into the office and he was like, right, so this is the deal. This headmaster's called Mr. Vote. And he was like, he, I remember him saying his words. Um, so 
in in and amongst other things, he was like, so she's not the greatest dancer, she's not the greatest singer, but there's something about her and we'd like her to join. Mm -hmm. And so I basically ended up going to Italian Conti at age 14 and it was totally not what I was expecting. It wasn't necessarily what I wanted. I didn't want to leave my normal comprehensive school and join this you know, in my mind, this sort of like quite intimidating mm. London school where all these like really cool girls were there, you know, and I was a bit like, oh, and I was this like little 14 year old girl. Anyway, so I ended up going there and it was totally out of the blue and it was, it was, it was brilliant, but scary. Um, and in hindsight, you know, I think that's always stayed with me with him saying, she's not the greatest dancer, she's not the greatest singer, but there's something about her. And I think that those those things that you hear when you're little, they do stay with you. Um, and so I've always had this like, I'm not that great, but I'm kind, there's something about, you know. So it was that sort of um, backhanded compliment almost. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And also in hindsight, I think perhaps they just, then I told myself, or oh, perhaps they just wanted me to fill the, you know, the space because maybe somebody dropped out. Do you know what I mean? So all this sort of negative stuff starts kind of sort of seeping through into your brain. Um, but but that kind of, I thought, because I'd seen cats and because I was now at stage school, I thought that this perhaps was my path. Um, but then when I get to the school, I, it, I really wasn't the best answer. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then I had this crazy growth spurt where I all of a sudden just grew. And so I was like, really long and really out of proportion and yeah and it was not really the right physique for dancing anyway so it kind of you know I realized that I wasn't that good but when you were in that school then when you said God quite intimidating was that did you have to stay over there then was that like no no it was it was it was at the Barbican in London so I just used to get the train every day by myself Mm. with my little blazer and kilt and tie um and I'd get the train into King's Cross and then get the tube to the Barbican so I did feel very grown up age 14 doing that by myself could you imagine like kids these days would I mean, no I mean I used like, to do that I would have done that I think times have changed I think yeah, God. Well, yeah. I used to do it like my son's nine I think I used to get the bus into the swimming baths at nine yeah. my sister. I just, I just cycled to school and it just, you know, I, I you know, you see my neighbours now have got kids and he picks his son up every day, takes him to school every day. It's like kids just don't, you know, you can't, I guess. It's like, it's not the same world. But um, yeah, so I was very independent going into school at 14 um, and massively out of my depth. Mm. You know, I, I, um, yeah and like going back to when I was little like I didn't have a very good childhood at school because the other schools that I was always picked on like I was always picked on I was always bullied from such a young age so going to a new school in London in the middle of a term god forbid in GCSE year you know I had to relearn everything because you know all of the different topics and subjects they weren't the same as what I was doing at my comprehensive school in in Welling Garden City so I was like thrown in massively at the deep end and add to that I was already massively scared of other girls because they'd given me such a crappy time from such a young age so it was quite daunting um but they were actually really lovely so I didn't have anything to worry I definitely didn't get picked on when I went to Italia Conti but you did um, when you were younger then. Yeah, 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 massively. It was a really big problem going into school, into junior school. Like my mum just used to have to like 
almost like I was like, I'm not going to school today. And she was like, no, 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 you have to. And I was like, no, no, I really can't do it. And this was like when I was, how old are you before you go to secondary school? It's like, I guess it was that sort of seven, eight, nine, ten, like those sort of really impressionable years. Um, And she'd literally have to drag me to the school gate and I'd be like, mom, please don't leave me here. Um, and well, then trauma, right? And I think yeah. when we're younger, right, we kind of go, right, okay, and it's tough love, and it's like, you need to go, you need to go. But I don't know about you, um, Lisa, but as you start to grow older, and even into your 20s, 30s, 40s, and certain things impact you, actually, when you trace it back, a lot of it is that feeling of oh, gotcha. and not being safe as a child. Because, you know, you, you, I don't know why I'm like this in relationships. I don't know why I'm, I struggle with this. And actually, almost always, it's, it's inner yeah. child stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. It really, really does shape and mould what you say to yourself and how you feel about yourself. Mm. And when I think about, like, because I've got, lots of nieces and nephews and it just breaks my heart the thought of them being that scared to be to go to school or to be that it's alone you know it's it's just absolutely heartbreaking I just I can't think of anything worse you know mm-hmm. um so it yeah it definitely does have a huge impact play a huge impact forever I think those kind of scars stay with you mm, yeah it does it does and um I know that you're massively into personal development now. I've, you know, saw you talking about it on your Instagram and things. Have you ever explored any sort of inner child work or or ever went back and really looked at anything within yourself and tried to do any other healing or anything before? Yeah, I've done loads of stuff. I've done loads of stuff. Yeah, I really have because, um, well, I started to, in 2010, I went to this beautiful wellness centre in Thailand, which I absolutely loved, called Kamalaya. And I started to, um, they had lots of visiting practitioners and different people there, and there was lots of different things that you could do. And that was when I sort of started on my journey to try and um, help myself. Um, there was, there's loads of different things that I've kind of tried, you know, I've tried hypnotherapy, I did some regression work and over the years I've gone back and I've visited, um, I've visited there and other places too. Uh, There's, there's different layers, isn't there, to things that you feel like you need to deal with. And I don't think I've gone, I've gotten as far as that yet. I don't think I've gotten back down to the, to the child yet. Mm. I've been dealing with the other stuff that is, was more immediate. So like relationships with my mom and, you know, things like that. So, um, Mm. you know, there's still many layers that I need to peel back to get to the core of, of a lot of it, Mm. but um, it, but it does make more and more sense to me now and I think that as I'm kind of on this journey of personal development and sort of trying to heal myself and be open and to um be vulnerable it it does throw up loads of other things do you know what I mean that you have to kind of deal with along the way but it's um I'm a work in progress I will will forever be on in this life a work in progress for sure oh gosh yeah me too right and I practice this stuff daily I teach it, but I always say to people, um, 
I'm never look at me and think, oh, you know, you've got it all together. There's always, always work. And sometimes it can be quite painful. You get through a layer and you're like, right, I'm just going to have a little break now. And then the next part comes and you're like, oh, gosh. And sometimes it depends how deep you want to go, right? Um, A lot of us don't want to go deep. But when we suppress that emotion and it does impact us in other areas of our lives, other aspects as to why, know why we're and we were just chatting Lisa and I were just chatting before we started recording about um opening up the heart and just fully receiving because sometimes it doesn't feel safe to really receive because when our heart is really open it can feel vulnerable you talked Mm. a little bit about vulnerability so I know when I watch you and I listen to you you know you're very open and it's really inspiring to a lot of people but what does being vulnerable mean to you like really vulnerable what does that mean to you how do you feel when you think about being open and vulnerable um different weeks have different I feel different on different weeks you know because vulnerability today for example would um would leave me feeling quite empowered and quite strong because I think it's a, it comes, you know, I think it's, it's such a huge weight off of your body, off your heart, off of your shoulders, off of your mind when you can be vulnerable and when you can let somebody in and acknowledge what's going on. Um, for so many years, I did keep so guarded, um, you know, being vulnerable, letting Georgian, for example, into my life, you know, it was because going back, I did also do some therapy as well. So I did actually do some hardcore proper therapy, um, some cognitive behavioral therapy. And I ended up actually on medication in 2014. Um, And I found that I never wanted to surrender to have to have medication. I never wanted to surrender to even go and see a therapist. I thought that that was, you know, a very British kind of like, I can deal with this myself. You know, I don't need to like speak Mm -hmm. to some stranger and God forbid pay him to tell me what's wrong with me. You know, I just found that really... I think it was my dad's words in my head, you know, be like, don't be so ridiculous. Nobody needs a therapist. It's that kind of behavior, isn't it? You just kind of bury these things. Um, But I think everything from the childhood bullying that then impacted, you know, how I then started to value my self-worth, which then allowed me to enter into relationships that were really toxic to behavior that was really negative and to sit in situations that didn't serve me and that were really quite um, bad for my health you know um, and so it, over the years that sort of it's, it's almost like self-harm I think mm-hmm. I entered into you know I was just sort of harming myself and I knew that these relationships weren't good but I didn't really know how to get out of them and you sort of um, put up you end up putting up with a lot and you end up burying a lot of these emotions mm-hmm. so when I did finally got get to the therapist which I now I look back and I think that was being vulnerable too, going to somebody asking for help like that was a massive mm-hmm. moment of vulnerability to get over that initial anger at this therapist because yeah. I needed him. It was this sort of thing where I was like, I hate you, but I need you. It was like yeah. this really weird feeling. Resentment, uh, resistance and resentment, right? Yeah. And I was like, and then I ended up really liking him, you know, and I was like, he was, I was like, all right, Dr. P, how are you doing? But then I'd get into the therapy and I'd be in a really good mood. And then he would really piss me off because you'd have to dig deep and start working. On, on on these feelings that I've been so good at kind of like burying down into my body. And so then I'd leave the therapy session and I'd be like, I'm never doing that again. Now I'm in a foul mood, 
you know, and you'd just be in tears and, you know, you'd get back and it would be like, oh my God. But it was, you know, it's, it's, you have to dig deep and it isn't easy. It's not an easy journey, especially like as the years go by and you just, you just ignore these feelings and these emotions. And so when I got to the therapy, he was like, where have you been? You should have been here like 20 years ago. And I was like, (laughs) so, you know, being vulnerable for me is, is all of that. It's that it's asking for help. It's knowing you need help. It's not being afraid to talk about things, to talk about your emotions, to feel, Mm. you know? And I think that, I think that's pretty much, I guess, what vulnerability means to me. I think it's showing the your weaknesses, you know, showing your scars that you've brought with you, not being afraid of judgment. Um, and I think our work, for me, my worst critic is myself, you know, it really is. And I think when I can, you know, now have this... Um, sense of pride of what I've been through and how I've come through the other end I think that that's a really lovely feeling it's lovely comfort comforting feeling yeah that's beautiful yeah and if I've just spewed a load of stuff at you Lisa you're speaking my language I I get it and (laughs) it's a journey right again we come into our bodies a whole person and it's everyone else's stories and programs that we take on and you know a lot of the time we think we have this loyalty to our parents like oh you know we can't say anything bad you know that's not right they did their best and we get that but actually what you're then doing internally is you're saying that your voice doesn't matter you know it's like well I can't say that I'm not supposed to say that I'm not supposed to feel that way so there's shame around it and then when you start digging, it's unbelievable what actually comes up around resistance and resentment to the people that we actually love. And we're like, oh, this feels weird. Why am I like, I'm not supposed to have this. And then there's this whole internal battle with this these different versions of you. But actually when fear, when resistance, when resentment comes up, every part of it, just as a message, and none of it wants to hurt you. I think what we do is we try and push it down. We're running in the opposite direction from fear because, you know, that's how we're programmed to run from mm-hmm. fear. But actually, if we just, we've got enough love internally and enough space to hold for that message to come through and just sit with it rather than, you know, running from it. And, um, you know, when you said that, it's not until years later, but you've, you've gone back and you've done that work and you're still doing that work. And I think it's important to share that Mm. because people do look and think, oh, I bet bet they never suffer. I bet they're always all right. They always seem happy. And I don't believe that anyone on this planet has their shit together 100% of the time, no matter Mm -hmm. how enlightened you are. No one has because we've all got, as you say, those little scars and those shadow parts of ourselves that we have hidden some of them we don't even know about until we go in and do that work and it was so interesting when we were talking I think intuitively we obviously went to that uh, that child right we started talking I said how did you get into the modeling but we went right into how you were bullied as a child because obviously there's some stuff there not that I'm saying you need to bring it up now or you need to go in and do work on it but it came up for a reason I think what I did actually on my phone about two weeks ago, I put a picture of myself as a three-year-old on my phone as, a, as my screensaver because I used to look at pictures at my mum's, she's got them up of my sister and I, and just think, oh yeah, but 
but really not be connected to that child. Just be like, oh, that was me when I was three or that was me when I was nine. But never have an emotion, really, when I looked at it. So I put it on my screensaver. And every time I look at it, I feel this sense of, oh, love and emotion. And I look at that picture and I think there's a lot of people now more exploring that in our child work now Mm -hmm. and really just bringing that innocence in. Because essentially, when you went to school and you were bullied and it's all relative, right? A parent can say, and as an adult, you can say, well, you know, I did have to go to school. I could not go. But as a six or seven or eight-year-old child, you're there's trauma, there's fear, you know, you're scared. And that feeling and that trauma and that energy that's pent up in your body is is for sure real. Yeah, absolutely. No one's listening, right? No. No one's listening. No one's hearing what I'm saying. No one's, it's not safe. So, yeah. So when you went um, then into your modeling, because you worked with some huge brands at the time when you were doing it, did you think, wow, I'm so lucky. This is amazing. Or was it just something that you kind of got up and you did? And, you know, did you really fully embrace that? Oh, my God, I'm doing this huge job right now and I'm everywhere. Yeah, there were moments when I was just pinch myself moments when I was like, oh, my God, how is this happening? You know, Um, I mean, I remember for a long time, my dad saying, for God's sake, Lisa, you need to get a proper job because he'd keep giving me keep giving me a fiver every day for the train (laughs) to go into London so I could do my casting. So I could basically, you know, peddle my wares, which was me around different casting, seeing different photographers, seeing different brands and, and auditions and stuff. Um, but then I did start working pretty, pretty soon. Um, it was about six months where he was just like, here's another fiver. You need to get a proper job. What is this modeling job? It's never good. Seriously. And I was like, no, 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 I promise. I promise it's going to be good. It's going to be good. And then I started working and yeah, sometimes I was like, oh my God, I'm working with like Lord Litchfield and I'm going off to shoot a calendar for, you know, Triumph Underwear with all these great models in Seville and he's got all these assistants. And it was a really, I was just like, what, you know, so there were these pinch me moments, um, throughout my career but at the same time I was in a really bad relationship so um you know it was it was it was five years of being in this which started to be like mentally abusive and then physically abusive Mm -hmm. so um it was it was it was like my escapism going to work obviously and you know it was on these shoots and and it was back when we used to do a lot of makeup. So it was like, you know, they'd sort of like shave your eyebrows to pluck them to about there and then draw them on really high arched. And it was like a lot of escapism, a lot of really great makeup, a lot of really creative shoots. Um, and so I could kind of just go in almost like an actress. I could just yeah. kind of go in and create this new character for the day. Um, so I did really enjoy doing that. And I, and I did, I did love, I did love modeling and I had a really good time doing it. Um, obviously there's ups and downs there's a lot of rejection and all of that stuff and I think that you saw my post the other day that I put up on Instagram um, because I found these Polaroids because I've got all these like great memories when I stumble across these Polaroids but um, it took me to one particular moment when I wasn't um, offered the job which happened all the time you know there was like you'd check in with the agency in a payphone because obviously there was no mobiles mm-hmm. and you'd have your money and you put your money in and you'd be like, hi, and they'd be like, right, you've got this job or you've got this casting. And a lot of the time there was positives, but there was a lot of negatives. But at the same time, you know, I was in this awful relationship. And so, you know, he started chipping away at me mentally. Um, 
And I didn't have that much self-worth, I think, anyway, because of the bullying as a kid. Because then what I forgot to tell you, Jill, was that when I went to secondary school before Italo Conti, for some reason... They hated me there too. So the third year girls used to really pick on me and be like, oh, look at her. She's a tart. Look at her. And I and I was 11. Mm. I hadn't even kissed a boy, let alone like be, you know, I wasn't a floozy. I wasn't a tart. I was like, I had my hair in a high ponytail. And for some reason, they used to threaten that they were going to beat me up after school. So every time at the end of school, I would shit myself. And I got myself a BMX because I thought it was cool and everybody had a BMX back then. <laughs> Don't know if you had a BMX, sorry, my <laughs> email. Um, and I'd like peg it out of the school gates underneath the subway and just get home as quickly, like, quickly as I could. And every time my heart would just be racing. So I had that sort of threatening situation as a junior school, then at senior school as well. And I have no idea why I was such a target. So then I was sort of had this sort of very low esteem, um, self-esteem. So it was quite strange and a quite, remarkable when I look back how I had the balls to do the things I did i.e go to Japan and live as a model get myself to a photo shoot with a bunch of strangers let them dress me up and then perform do you know what I mean it was like a very strange sort of amount of, of resilience that I that I definitely did have um and so when I look back now I'm like Jesus Christ you know through thick and thin you really did push yourself even though you were being like mentally abused at home which then turned to physical abuse um uh, and it was it was quite horrific for five years. Um, mm. I was supporting him. He was just it was a horrible, horrible time. Um, and it's it's something that I didn't deal with for a very long time. Um, and that shaped a lot of my future relationships after that time because it was almost like I couldn't break that cycle of what I was throwing out to the universe, and I think I was just kept attracting it back. But meanwhile, work was quite good you know work was good so I just sometimes think you know what maybe what could I achieve have would I have achieved if I had had an even stronger sense of self self self-worth or is it just that was meant to happen for some reason you know was like why you know when you look back and you sort of think what was that all about Mm. why did I go through that why did I not break the cycle sooner why did I keep going why was I on that hamster wheel all the time um with kind of evil men that I was attracting and staying in those situations that didn't serve me. Yeah. And why do you... Well, this this feels like such a major therapy session, this podcast. (laughs) That's what everyone says. (laughs) Why do you think it was then? When you look back, why do you think you stayed in, in that relationship for five years and then went on to attract similar relationships? When I look back, I think like I was I didn't know the term gaslighting then, but definitely that is a massive word, you know, that people use now that, that it's, a, it's a phrase that people can relate to. But that was definitely happening. So I think that I didn't. Um, I didn't think anybody else would want me. Initially, when I was in the relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just and it just continues doesn't it until you really stop and reflect and work out what really really dig deep and sort of say you know I don't want this anymore you know this this isn't this isn't right I don't I shouldn't be living like this I shouldn't be feeling like this um I think it's not until that moment because it's quite easy to kind of stay in these 
it's like a habit it's like a bad habit you just stay in it you know and you just think well this is it you know yeah this is you know it's me I'm too you know I didn't think for a minute that I was choosing or sending out the wrong signals I just thought that this was just how relationships were um and how other relationships and with people like that and you know yeah and and I just I don't know there's loads of different things like my mum and dad you know didn't weren't they'd split up when I was 15 they started having really bad problems and they definitely they split up for good when I was 17 so I don't think I really had um a very clear idea of what a healthy relationship should be either so there's loads of different factors really um and plus I was throwing myself into work and traveling quite a lot so you know, I could kind of disappear for a short time, you know, I could go off to Milan or Paris, or I could go to Japan and be there for three months. And so I didn't really have to always focus on the stuff that was going on, I could kind of like bury it, numb it, drink a lot, eat a lot, do, you know, do things to kind of make it go away. God, I don't know. I don't know. I just think you just, I think you don't know any other way. Yeah, it becomes all it's like, it's just any kind of bad habit where you're just sort of like, it's like smoking, you know, it's bad for you, but you do it because you're, it's like a, you know, it's like, and this codependency and it's like mm. an addiction and it's like, I don't know. And then you yeah. sort of think, well, you know, I'm getting attention, even if it's bad attention and he's beating me, at least it's some kind of attention. It's, it's, it's totally fucked up and oh. massively unhealthy. And I think it comes from a place where, you don't have a healthy relationship with yourself. Mm. So you enable these people to treat you badly. Yeah. And you treat yourself badly. Of course. And sometimes when, you know, someone is deemed to have some success and, you know, look in a certain way, actually, I know it sounds crazy, but internally what, what we can tend to do is think, right, we're not worthy of having everything. So I've got this lifestyle that I was bullied for so I almost have to self-harm by bringing in toxic people and allowing them to you know abuse me mentally physically and I know that can sound quite triggering so for anyone listening to this it might be like what are you talking about but a lot of the time we do have an upper limit of self-worth like we're like right okay well if I have a successful career or if I achieve this amount of money or whatever that is I'm not supposed to have it all I'm not allowed to have it all so I have to sabotage by attracting toxic people and not that we intentionally go out to do it but it's like well I'm only worth of this I'm only worthy of someone speaking to me like this or someone abusing me mentally or physically because maybe I'm not supposed to have everything maybe it's too greedy to have everything people won't like me if I have everything because when we're you know if you're bullied and a lot of times if people are bullied it's like we don't want them to bully us so this is going to sound really counterintuitive but what we want to do is show them that we're not that happy look I'm not that happy please don't hate me you know does that make sense it's like we do kind of go oh god I don't I'll put myself down because I don't want people not to like me because they think well you're really good looking so I don't really like you well you know I'm not I'm not that happy or I'm not got everything and it is that child goes back to that child again searching for just really wanting to be loved and wanting to feel safe yeah I yeah I I do totally what you're saying completely resonates with me but I also think that you know 
to get into that situation initially, these people, the people that who are toxic are also extremely narcissistic. So mm. initially, they don't start off being toxic. They start off being your the nicest person that is mm-hmm. so complimentary, and then you're getting actually all of this amazing attention. Mm. But then at some point, it flips, and the power flips, and their insecurities at for me anyway at your life your friends your work your money that's when that's when the power flips and the the narcissistic person becomes really resentful of what you are achieving doing who you are how you look all of the above so I think that for me that it wasn't if people are listening to this thinking well it's just you know somebody you can tell when somebody's evil or when somebody has um an ulterior motive but but actually you can't because the, the the people that I was attracting or the narcissistic sort of um yeah the shiny birds that's what a therapist said to me you've got to stop attracting these shiny birds it was mm. like these these guys who were just like you know and I did always go for that real physical like you know oh wow he's really handsome he had great shoes I really like the way he dressed you know he was a really good mover it was all this very physical attraction that I had um and I didn't really have and and that was that was what drew me in. And it was like this doting, lots of attention, lots of love, which is what you want because the yeah, child is craving that, like, just love me, love me, love me. You know, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm enough. I'm an, am I enough? Yeah, and then yeah, you yeah. are. And then it, and then it's somewhere along the line, the, it, it flips, it flips and it changes. And, and I think that that is, is a lot of people are like, a lot of people like that. Like even my friends now, I'm seeing some of them and I'm like, I don't know if that guy's got your best intentions. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I've got reservations about him because yeah. I think that there's still a lot of people out there that are like that. They sort of like feed on somebody's vulnerability and insecurity and they see that and they see the chinks in the armor and they kind of mm. slide on in and then they pump you up with loads of attention and love until you feel like you just can't live without them. And that's when it changes and they start to become really nasty. Yeah. And how did you get out of it eventually? When was the day that you went, right, that's it? Can you remember when you said, when that's I, it, I'm done? I, I tried to, you mean as far as like, just in general? Well, with that. Because it happened a few, with that particular one, mm. I tried to run away a few times and he kept finding me and dragging me back, which was terrifying. Um, and then I, in the end, a, a mutual friend of ours helped me to escape which was massive. And I confided in him one day and he he said, something bad is going on in this relationship. And I said, I need your help. I really need your help. And he said, I, but I'm friends with you both. This is, you're putting me in a really, and I said, please help me. You need to save me. And I'd like, I'd had a broken arm. I'd had a black eye. Like there was loads of things that had happened. It was like properly physically abusive. When you said he dragged you back, Lisa, like literally physically or? yeah. Yeah, but also like in a like he'd either find me and just like pull me back in the middle of the street, whatever. Didn't care what anybody anybody saw, um, and I I just couldn't I couldn't get away. And then this this one particular day, I knew he was out, um, and he wasn't out for long. And I was like, right, this is my moment. And so I t- I, t- I called my friend and I said now. And so he came around, and I just remember running around the flat, stuffing stuff into dustbin liners. I should have just left, but there was things that I was like, no, no, I want it because I was paying for everything. It was all my stuff was in there. And so I started stuffing stuff into a bag and we did a couple of trips down to the car. His car was parked out on the street. And um, 
and I just had this sense of like major adrenaline. And as we were leaving, um, walking down the street with the last kind of set of bags, because it wasn't loads, it was just a couple, we saw another mutual friend of ours and he was like, what are you doing? And he must've just been able, he must've just seen from my face. Cause I was just like, I went white. Cause I was like, shit, like we're going to, my friend's going to be in big trouble and he's going to let him know that we're leaving, you know, cause he looked at us and he could see that we had all these bags and he just looked at me and I just, I just ran away. And my friend was just like, no, 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 you don't need to know anything. And we just left. And that was it. Um, and God, it just brings back so many awful memories of like um, just trying to just get the hell away. Um, and then I don't remember much on uh, the rest of that day, but I remember I ended up going to my dad's and then I ended up going to Australia um, because I thought that's the first place, <laughs> that's the furthest place that I could get to away from him. So I went to Australia. Um, and I was modeling. I cut all my hair off, cut it all off, um, and then went to Australia. Yeah. It was, but you know, those big kind of like, I just needed to get the hell away. I went to Australia for about four weeks. Um, yeah. I mean, it didn't end there because he ended up finding out where I was in Australia, but he didn't come there or anything. But it was, it was, it was an ongoing process of just having to be really strong and, um, I can't remember what actually made me snap. I remember knowing that I wasn't happy and that I needed to get away. And it, I, it just took a long time to try and get away from him. Mm. He was very controlling and very scary. I mean, he was a huge guy and totally terrifying. Um, and especially if, you know, broken arms and black eyes that's just not a bit of a push right that's yeah no 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 no. he headbutted me and I like collapsed on the floor and had this big and I was working the whole time so I turn up on jobs and be like my arm in a cast wow. black eye on a on a commercial it was just awful oh, and I was just I'd come up with I'd, I'd end up again that 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 person, that child that I didn't listen to, I didn't tell my family, I didn't tell my friends, I lied about everything, I lied on jobs, I'd say, oh, you know, I, I did I did it this way, I did it that way, I was such a good liar, I liked, I was lying to myself about how I was feeling, yeah. it was just, it was just the whole thing, I, and he would show so much remorse after he'd hurt me that I would then feel bad for him, mm. I'd be like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, don't worry, it's okay, it's okay, and he'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry, and I was like, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. And I then became the person who would... The enabler, really. <laughs> I mean, it was so screwed up. It was oh, so screwed up. Right. And even admitting to that now, it just feels like, you know, why was I so weak in that moment? But I just didn't, I didn't... It. it I don't just, think you were weak. I don't think you were weak at all. At all. And I wanted just to ask you, like, when you didn't go to anyone, like, you mentioned your dad, but you haven't really mentioned your mum. Was yeah. there, with your parents, and all they separated, did you just feel that you couldn't tell them? Did, did you feel that they wouldn't want to hear? Or was there, sh- like, what, what was the reason that you, like, if you go back and think of going to them, like, knocking on their door and trying to tell them what was happening at the time, what what was it that stopped you doing that? Well, he also said if I ever told anybody that he would kill them as well, 
So he would say he killed me and he killed my whole family. So it was never an option. It was ne- I could never go to anybody because I truly believe that he had the capacity to hurt people. Um, and the way that he threatened to do it, I mean, he was very specific about things. So I was just like, I was terrified. I couldn't tell anybody. Wow. I couldn't tell anybody. And I was closer to my dad growing up because, so when I always refer to my dad, because it was my mum that left and my dad, we stayed with my dad, me and my two sisters. We still had contact with my mum. But it was my dad that um, we stayed with. So I always feel that that's the family unit, even though I'm obviously still close to my mum. But there was issues that I had with her because she left. And that also has taken years to get, you know, so there's there's loads of shit. I mean, honestly, we need longer than an hour here. On let, let, at least we've all, got it. we've all got it, right? <laughs> it's amazing that you're open to what's inspiring that you got away, right? So you got away and yeah, you went on to attract um, other relationships, hopefully none as bad as that one or was there. No, there was a time when it actually, then I, then I started, then I went out, out with the guy who, it was a great relationship, but then, you know, in my head, I was like, if anybody ever touched me again, I'm out the door straight away. And this, this next couple of relations, um, the next relationship was a good one. The one after that was the one when he, um, kicked me when I left, when I got up to get out of bed, he kicked my back with his feet. Um, and I was just like, Right no I'm out so I was like anytime anybody raises their hand to me again I'm out of that and then there was a couple of relationships that were that were okay that were some of them were great um lived in America for a bit and then I ended up and it's a time when you you I ended up attracting another bad relationship um and that was the catalyst for me getting therapy that was the actual like rock bottom I need therapy what am I doing I'm in my 40s get a fucking grip you know, address these situations, break these habits, just deal with some of this stuff that you're obviously not dealing with. You know, you need to do something, something needs to shift, needs to change. So that was when I um, decided to go and get therapy, but that was like rock, rock bottom. And that was at a time when I think I wasn't looking after myself properly. I wasn't sleeping properly. I was working way too hard. You know, I was drinking too much. And I think that that's when you kind of, you squash that, um, that voice that 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 yeah. you've got a, a demon and an angel almost yeah, you know and it's the devil going yeah it's fine keep partying stay out all night you're fine you're like, way numb it. <laughs> yeah just have some more chocolate go on just have a nap and have some chocolate or like eat more or drink more and then the devil and the angels is like no 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 you should go to yoga you really need to go and do like a gong meditation class take yourself off to a wellness week you know and it was like this kind of battle within myself and it was only sort of when I got to my lowest low that I was like I need some help I really do and I need to ask somebody else um and I've never still been I'm still not very good at speaking to my parents or my sisters when something's wrong you know they're always like why don't you come to us why don't you tell us and I'm like I just don't find it very easy to ask for help or acknowledge that I need help um I just don't. And I don't know if that's just years of dealing with stuff on my own. Just don't find it easy. And putting up that wall of protection, right? Because yeah. it doesn't feel safe to bring the wall down and to let people in or to say, I need help. And again, we're going back to the old inner child stuff, right? But when the memories, the very young memories of you, when you go right back, are not feeling safe and not being protected. You know, we know why your mum took you to school. But as a seven or eight year old, 
your mum put you into a place where you were beaten up and you were bullied. So your mum actually, you know, and for anyone listening, I'm not blaming Lisa's mum, right? <laughs> we know that kids have to go to school, but for the child to understand that, the child doesn't have an adult mind. The child's thinking, my mum's sending me into a place where I'm being beaten up and physically and mentally, you know, abused by other children. And that is so traumatic for a child. So it didn't feel safe because your mum was the one that took you there every day, right? Again, yeah. not your mum's fault. But as a child, that's when we start to go, right, I don't have a safe place to go to. I don't have someone that's going to protect me because the one that's protecting me isn't protecting me. Now, as a child trying to understand that, what we don't understand it. So what we do is we put up these walls and the heart starts to become closed off because to really open up and be vulnerable, it doesn't feel safe. And I think, you know, just even chatting as we've chatted, so much of it comes back to that, those moments of being bullied and not having the protection, not have someone to come and scoop you up and protect you and save you. So you learn at an early age that it's not safe and there's no yeah. one to really ask for help. You know, the people that are closest to you to actually say, I need help because you have, you've had to fend for yourself in inverted commas almost from a young age that it feels really painful and ugh, yuck to actually say, oh, I really need help now. Um, do you ever find it, I just want to ask you, do you ever find it easier speaking to people than you would speaking to like your like your own sister or your mom or your dad about these kind of things? You know, when you, you, you're openly sharing, is it easier doing that if you were to sit down and, and speak to your family about that? Would it feel as comfortable or not? No, it wouldn't. Mm. It wouldn't. It's been that long. You know, it's not that kind of relationship that I have with them, really, you know. I find it really hard to be honest, really brutally honest. Um, I also don't want people to feel, I don't like it. I don't like, I don't I'm start crying. I don't want anybody to feel bad about themselves. You know, I don't want anybody to blame themselves. Like I hate that feeling of like, you know, that maybe they could have done something differently and I would hate for them to have to have that burden of, of like, oh shit, you know, maybe we could, maybe it's our fault or anything like that. I couldn't, even if it's not even, you know, yeah, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do that to them. So I know, I know, I get it. You know, we love them. You know, it's your, you know, it's your family and it's the people around yeah. you most and you never want them to feel that way. And it's not about blame or putting anything onto them. It's that child that needed to have a voice. And that's why I, I work with and our child work a lot with clients and myself. I've gone back recently and done inner child work, which I thought I dealt with. And yeah. then really came up for me in the last sort of month. And that's when I was sharing about putting that picture on. You know, sometimes that voice just needs to be heard and needs to feel safe. I've never felt so connected to myself as a child. It was my sister that sent me that picture a few weeks ago and I thought, I'm going to put that. And every time I look at it on my phone, I think, I love you. Like, I look into her eyes and I think, God, you know, you're so safe and you're so loved. And I honestly think for anyone listening, inner child work is such a game changer for how we can actually start to wholly... um, 
just accept and love all parts of ourselves, even the one that likes a wine, the one that likes a champagne, the one that likes to meditate or, you know, whatever. It's about no judgment, you know, no judgment, just that acceptance and safety. We all want to feel safe and we all want to feel loved, right? Um, But it's the programs, it's the conditions, it's the habits. But actually, when we strip back all of that at the core and our essence is our soul and that innocent child that just wants to feel loved and just wants to feel safe. And as an adult now, we can do that for the child, the inner child. Yeah. Really beautiful. Oh, God, Lisa. I- <laughs> you got me crying, you. You, you got know, me all Lisa, emotional. I felt emotional too. I had so many things I wanted to talk to you about, but I think, you know, I never really prepare and write down questions. I think you know, we might touch on this, we might touch on that, but we intuitively went into where we needed to go today. And I just want to say thank you for sharing. Thank you for being so open. And just before we wrap up, what are you working on this year? What is the goals for you? Um, Yeah, what's what's your goals and what are you working on this year? Well, I'm going to continue working on myself. And um I'm also working on a podcast series that I'm passionate about. I'm doing it all myself, like you. I'm producing it and everything myself. And it's kind of elements of um, emotional, mental well-being, phys- the whole shebang, you know, just working on us as a whole um, and sort of delving into those kind of areas that I'm passionate about. Um, I am... George and I want to build a house. I don't know if it'll be this year, but we're putting we're manifesting um, a build yeah. of some sort. So potentially looking for um, a piece of land or a, a, a derelict building or something um, that we can um, turn into our dream home. I'm looking forward to seeing people I love, giving them cuddles, um, you know, just the sort of the simple things like that, really. Um, it's, 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 it's funny, isn't it? Because I haven't, haven't made huge plans because Mm -hmm. it it has been a sort of taking it day by day situation, Mm -hmm. hasn't it in the current Mm -hmm. circumstances. So it's, um, baby steps, but those are the things that I'm working on now. So it's the podcast. It's obviously I'm on this morning still doing my fashion and, um, and I've got some little fashion bits here and there that I'm doing. But you can see behind me there my vision board, my action, action board. board. Oh, and there's heck. there's some there's some space there which I've taken down my my all my podcast bits and pieces, but that usually goes in that little bit there. But yeah, just kind of like things that I wanna houses I like the look of mostly. But um Qigong, I want to learn how to do Qigong. I'm, I'm doing that at the moment. So <clears throat> just making sure that I'm getting all that energy moving around my body and um, starting the day in the right way. Continue on my meditation and my daily gratitude and all of that stuff. But I just, yeah, just all of the above. Little bits and pieces. Absolutely gorgeous. And it's it's amazing. And you're so real and true and beautiful inside and out and just Thank you. so grateful for you coming on and sharing I need to get you back on because there's so much no, 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 there's so much more we just literally just scratched the we surface did, I was like I just I just um I don't know I feel like I you you had you had a weird ability to get loads of stuff out of me um but I do think I need to to do some exploring of the inner child because it because because it's only recently that I've sort of gone like where did this come from where did this 
Why did that happen? Why did I allow that to happen? How did I allow that to happen? Okay. And then you have to keep going back, don't you? And and it's and you and you don't realise because it was so long ago the stuff that you know and how we, traumatic it was, you know, like how awful it was. Yes. Because that's it. You go, you know, kids are kids, but no, it's it's for that child. They don't understand. Like I said to you, you know, when your mum's putting you in there, you're like, whoa you know, where's my safety here? I'm getting put in here. So yeah. there's definitely some stuff there. And um, I'm a huge fan of inner child work. It always feels good at the time, but it's there. So there's no point just ignoring it. And you know that, and, you know, you do a lot of personal development, Lisa, and I continue to keep watching your self-care Sundays on Instagram. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, you all the amazing yeah vitamins and everything that you're taking I'm like right I'll get that I'll get Hello. that well you know it's like I just think I love that's what I that's why I started the self-care Sunday series because I do love connecting with people on that on my platform and also it started out of necessity in lockdown it was like how are we going to color our hair what are we going to do about our manicures and so and then it sort of evolved and so there there are some you know little tidbits and nuggets of like you know great products and things that I like but it is a 360 approach which is how I see it It is like your nutrition and your sleep and your mental health and you know all of the above when it comes to beauty and feeling good about yourself yeah I love watching them because thank you very genuine and yeah I love it and maybe maybe in the future Lisa maybe you're going to do some more around self you know the inner work and trauma and maybe you're going to start talking more as in presenting I don't know I see something yeah. else coming up there for you helping thank you doing that so thank you thank you thank you she loves herself with Jill Ritchie this episode is sponsored by unearth your power unearth your power is a 21 day online life transformational course that will focus on your past your present and your future We work with your subconscious mind and allow you to manifest from a place of truth, authenticity and power. We have taken over 500 people through this course since July 2020 and we have over 350 incredible testimonials. This was created by myself and my fellow business partner, accredited life coach, Lynette Gray. Head over to unearthyourpower.com or follow us on at unearth underscore your underscore power on Instagram.